Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Thursday, the 18th of March. Another setback for the rollout of the federal government's COVID-19 vaccination program. From next week, the first phase of the scheme will begin with 6 million Australians eligible to receive their jab, including those over 70 and with pre-existing health conditions. But yesterday, the government's vaccine booking website crashed, forcing hundreds of people to call GPs to try and secure a spot. There are also concerns that authorities have not finalised a financial deal with GPs over administering the jab, and some practices don't even have the vaccines as yet. Here's Health Department Secretary Dr Brendan Murphy. It is going to take as many weeks to get through 1B. While some GP clinics are coming online next week, they won't be releasing appointments till they're sure of their vaccine uh, deliveries, which are coming in the next day or two, and they'll progressively release appointments. So please don't badger your GPs. Epidemiologist Dr Mary Louise McClaws says while the vaccination rollout is an important step forward, she's told the project international travel will not be returning anytime soon. It's a huge undertaking, so we're not going to be able to open up the borders anytime soon, particularly when there's a three-month gap between your first AstraZeneca and your second, because that really increases your body's ability to build up the correct antibody level. Meantime, four people have suffered serious allergic reactions in Queensland after getting the AstraZeneca vaccine, prompting a new warning from health authorities. We'll have more details on this story shortly from our reporter on the ground. And Australia has stepped in to stop a COVID crisis currently unfolding on our doorstep in Papua New Guinea. Local hospitals have been swamped with an increase in cases, with many medical staff also infected. Locals have to wait up to 30 days to get the result of their COVID swab, which makes contact tracing and stopping infection almost impossible. Flights between Papua New Guinea and Australia have now been suspended, with our federal government sending over urgent supplies of vaccines and medical equipment. Here's our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. The events that we're seeing there are of great concern. Great concern for them and the challenges that they now face, but I want to assure the people of Papua New Guinea and my my dear friend James Marape that Australia, as always, will stand with them as they meet this challenge and support them in every way that we possibly can. Also making news this morning, it's been revealed a major spy ring has been busted operating on Australian soil. It's understood the foreign agents managed to recruit an Australian government official with access to classified defence technology. Here's ASIO boss Mike Burgess. ASIO acted. We investigated, we identified and we verified this activity. We cancelled the government employee security clearance and quietly and professionally removed them from our country. And in a world first, model human embryos have been developed by Australian researchers at Monash University. It's the first time a model embryo has been created from the skin cells of an adult arm without using any egg or sperm. While it's seen as a major breakthrough, there are concerns it raises serious ethical questions. 
Now, if we look at what else is making news around the country this Thursday morning, we start in Victoria and three people have been arrested on suspicion of planning a terror attack. Our reporter, James Lake, has the details from Melbourne. Thanks, Tash. Yes, at this stage, authorities are keeping tight-lipped about what they think was planned, but police allege they identified potential terrorism activity over a fire lit north of Epping on Feb the 18th. We also think this may be the first suspected incident of an alleged terror plot using fire in Victoria. Now, yesterday, two Melbourne youths were arrested in early morning raids and they'll go to court today. A 19-year-old from Epping has been charged with an attempted terrorist act, intentionally causing injury, an act in preparation of a terrorist act and membership of a prescribed terror organisation, that being ISIS. A 20-year-old also from Epping was charged with one count of attempting a terrorist act. AFP Assistant Commissioner Scott Lee alleges the duo may have been radicalised online. And that's certainly what we've seen throughout the COVID period as people have come out of the physical world and being um, in isolation and, and uh, driven into the online environment to a degree and, and that's exacerbated some of the radicalisation that we've seen. A 16-year-old has been released without charge. To Queensland now and health officials are assuring the public the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine is safe after four people suffered allergic reactions. Our reporter, David Shiraz, has more from Brisbane. Yeah, Tash, Queenslanders with severe allergic reactions are being encouraged not to delay in getting the AstraZeneca jab. The state government initially called for those with a history of anaphylaxis to delay vaccination after four cases of allergic reactions across Queensland. But Health Minister Yvette Darth eventually corrected that advice, a backflip after the nation's top medical experts came forward to clarify the vaccine's safety. Roughly 3,000 jabs have been rolled out in Queensland so far, a longer observation period now in place as a precaution. To Sydney, a New South Wales Police Commissioner, Mick Fuller, has proposed a new high-tech way to deal with the issue of consent. Our Sydney reporter, Siobhan Caulfield, has more. Yeah, Tash, our state's top cop has raised the idea of using technology to help protect women from sexual assault. Mick Fuller has suggested using an app to record consent before a sexual encounter, saying there is no implied consent, there needs to be positive consent. He's told the telly the pandemic has shown us we can adapt our way of life to keep people safe, referring to the COVID check-in system. The app has drawn some criticism, some saying the idea doesn't take into account the fact that consent can change at any time. The police commissioner admits there are challenges involved but reckons it could be a good starting point, revealing police are dealing with a rise in reports of sexual assault but low conviction rates. Now, the latest in business and finance news this morning, we are joined by Peter Switzer from switzerreport.com.au. And Peter, the coronavirus crisis, as we know, has left our country with a massive debt bill. And now there's increased talk about a return of the so-called death duties or death tax to try and pay this massive bill back. Yeah, that's right. An estate tax sounds more pleasant than what it would be called if the Morrison government or Labor embraced the idea of an estate or death tax to pay off the debt left behind by the rescue program from the coronavirus. At this stage, the call for an estate tax is coming from the economics editor of the AFR, John Kehoe, but you can bet there are others fueling the idea. His argument is simple. The young were less threatened by the virus, but they will ultimately pay for the budget and national debt repair bill because they will live longer and undoubtedly with higher tax rates in the future to reduce future government deficits and the overall debt. Britain has an estate tax of 40% and so does Japan, South Korea, France, the US, Spain, Ireland, Belgium and Germany. 
Peter, for people that don't remember, may not be as mature as you and I, exactly how does the uh, death tax work? How much do you end up paying and it's when you pass well, away? Yeah, well, in the case of Britain, when, you know, say, for example, your parents passed away, there'd be a tax of 40% on the estate and it's an enormous slug. So the young ultimately would uh, be affected by the fact that they will inherit less um, from the estate when their parents pass. Yeah, big call if they move ahead with that. The Murdoch family, as we know, is the power behind News Corp. And now there's speculation the family is eyeing off buying Tabcorp's bookmaking and media division. Exactly. The SMH reports today that sources say Lachlan Murdoch, the son of Rupert, and the most likely to succeed his father as the driving force behind News Corp, was working behind the scenes with a US investment fund on a potential deal to buy Tabcorp's bookmaking and media division. Two sources said that the potential deal involves heavyweight bookmaker Matthew Tripp. Mr Tripp declined to comment, but it's been long thought that the fox arm of the Murdoch empire was interested in its powerful connection to Foxtel and News Corp newspapers to the wagering industry. Tabcorp's wagering business has lost ground to the likes of Sportsbet in recent times and the company's board has been under pressure to sell off the division. And Peter also making news today, one of the country's top young developers says the supply of apartments is going to shrink and you can blame coronavirus and China. That's right. The Australian newspaper reports that 40-something Tim Gurner, who's become one of Australia's biggest builders of apartments, has told a construction conference that developers are kidding themselves if they try to launch apartment projects of 300 units or more in Sydney and Melbourne amid an exodus of Chinese buyers and a collapse in immigration caused by COVID-19. Now, Mr Gurner said he was concerned about the Chinese government taking away capital from Australia, which would mean a complete systematic change to our market. Now, before the coronavirus, Chinese students contributed an estimated $40 billion a year to the local economy, but Chinese travel spending in Australia, including the contribution of students, was down more than $7.3 billion in 2020. And they, with their parents, were really big buyers of apartments as well. Peter, thank you. Pleasure. Time for sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett. The AFL season kicks off tonight and Carlton's coach is already under pressure even before the first ball has been pounced. Yes, good morning, Tash. That's right. Uh, David Teague has only been in the hot seat for a couple of seasons, but the Blues haven't been in the top eight in the finals for seven seasons now. And Robert Walls is a premiership coach with Carlton back in 1987. He says if they don't make the finals this year, they should already look ahead to who could be their next coach. Now, there are some rumblings going around that Alastair Clarkson, the four-time premiership coach at Hawthorne, uh, might be on the move at the end of this season if things don't go well at the Hawks. He's apparently at odds at the moment with his president, Jeff Kennett. So it's not a the great way for the season to start for David Teague with that hanging over his head but he is confident that they can make the top eight this year. We want to play finals that's what this football club's here to do and we need to get better to do that. Just in some team news he's decided to not to play Eddie Betts tonight the veteran uh, goal sneak has been ruled out uh, he has overcome a calf injury but they've decided to take no risks given his uh, compromised preparation Jack Martin also has a calf issue he won't play Harry Mackay will take his place in the forward line uh, the big key for has battled an ankle problem for the Tigers. Two new faces compared to their premiership team from last year. Out go Basha Hawley injured. Marlon Pickett uh, hasn't been picked. Josh Caddy, Jake Arts are the two inclusions there. Now, the other story going around in the
the AFL at the moment, of course, is uh, Eddie Maguire. Uh, spoke in depth uh, last night on Channel 9 after his self-imposed media exile about, of course, his messy departure from Collingwood as president. Uh, he will not uh, be revealing who on the board may have uh, pushed him to resign. You can ask me as many questions as you like from here on. I am now a reporter. I've said all I've had to say. The last thing I'm ever going to be is a rat on people at the Collingwood Football Club. Well, and uh, Eddie said that he will be at the footy tomorrow night. Uh, the Magpies play the Bulldogs, Tash. Good on him for not dishing the dirt. That's very refreshing. Also in the sporting world today, suspended Shark star Bronson Sherry has spoken for the first time since being stood down for a positive drug test. Yeah, he's vowing to return to the NRL as well. He's facing a four-year drug ban, though. Uh, He was stood down last May after returning a positive test to an anabolic uh, steroid. Now, he spoke for the first time last night, as you mentioned there, Tash. He believes he's still young enough at 20 to make a comeback. Well, I'm only 20 years old, so whatever suspension, whatever time I get, I know I'm going to put my best foot forward. You know, I want to make my my family proud again. So, yeah, definitely. Four years is a long time, though, even though he is uh, quite young, as he said there, Tash. And the Hockey Roos coaches quit. This is really interesting on the eve of the release of a report into allegations of bullying within the team. Yeah, it hasn't been a great few years for uh, the Hockey Roos. Paul Godoyne has quit on the eve of a long-awaited report into allegations of a toxic culture and bullying. He spent four years in the role. He took the Hockey Roos to number two in the world after a disappointing Rio Olympics campaign. He had previously denied claims of a culture problem. Three co-captains quit last year. The release from the Hockey Roos talks in glowing terms about his contribution uh, to the Hockey Roos. But, uh, yeah, it looks a little bit uh, sus, doesn't it, that when this report is about to be released, and then the coach quits. You'd think that he was involved with uh, those uh, potential culture issues, but we'll have to wait to see what the findings of that report are. Will be interesting to read. Brett, thank you. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country now this Thursday morning and heavy rainfall has hit many parts of Queensland with some areas recording more than 150 millimetres over just a few hours. Torrential rain is also set to continue across New South Wales. Brisbane showers today, 27. Sydney, though, showers are set to continue, as we mentioned, top of 23. Sunny today for Melbourne, top of 26. Shower or two on the way for Canberra, 20 degrees today. Sunny and 25 for Hobart. A top of 29 and sunny conditions for Adelaide. Sunny also for Perth today, top of 34. And a shower or two on the way for Darwin with a high of 31. And it's been revealed part of Harry and Meghan's deal with Oprah for that tell-all interview was that the royal couple could pull the chat if Prince Philip passed away. Gail King has revealed more details about that deal on her radio show in the US. They had done that interview before Prince Philip went into the hospital and if something, God forbid, had happened to him, you know, that the interview would not have run at this particular time. But the interview was done and was scheduled before he went into the hospital. 99-year-old Prince Philip has spent his first night back at Windsor Castle after spending a month in hospital. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to your company tomorrow. Listener.